you know, I just realized something. The longer I stay down there, the more you talk. So that's and greet one another. Well, today is a beautiful day. Amen? Amen. My name is Pastor Cody, and I'm glad to greet you and be with you this morning as we celebrate the Lord in a variety of ways. Just a few announcements. Uh, ladies, there's a few events coming up for you. We've got curling this afternoon. So if you haven't signed up, um, Patty Smith, talk to her. I think, are you the one in charge of it? Yeah, she is. And uh, so talk with her. That's today. Moms, moms with kids of all ages, this coming Thursday, the, the moms group gets together once a month. So we encourage you to get together. There's child care available. If you need that, let Julie Henningsen know in advance. Julie Minen, Julie Minen, know in advance. One of the Julies, just let someone know. Also, there's our annual Christmas brunch for the ladies, December 3rd. So I don't know if we're going to sign up for that. I'm sure we're going to have a sign up for that. And uh, so do that. And then, I'm trying to think of some other things we got going on. Also, November 11th. What's November 11th? Veterans Day. So could we have all of those who served in the many branches of service we have stand so we can thank you? All right, stand. Stand. Look at that. Awesome. Thank you. I know pretty much all the branches of everyone stood. I was looking around going, do I know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Ralph, I know. And then the Marine Corps, awesome. Yes, yeah, so thank you. We appreciate those who have served in combat. And some of you didn't serve, but you were ready to serve and lay down your lives for our country and defend our country. So we thank you. We are proud of you and you're important to us. And those who are thinking of joining the military, please pray about that. And if the Lord directs you, awesome. We have one of our former students, Caleb. He's not here, but uh, we are praying for him daily. And we're excited about those who serve. We want to take a moment and celebrate. We, we, every week we, uh, we don't try to celebrate. We do celebrate what the Lord is doing. And um, we want to begin talking about this. And we're going to have a missionary come up, share here in a moment. And just we're going to have in the next um, probably month, month and a half, we're going to have a lot of missionary focus on what the Lord has been doing in our lives through the church and through what is going on. And just, um, I don't know if we got a picture or not, yesterday the Well Ministry supported and put on, it's called Somali 101. So oh, there, there's a photo there. Somali 101. And it's, it's an opportunity for those who are in Barron County. We even had someone come from the Menominee area and go online and watch. And uh, so the Well Ministry has been around for about 10 years now, and they reach out to the Somali population that we have primarily in the city of Barron and Barron County here. And the, the, the primary goal is that they would come to see Jesus. And our prayer is that someday they would have a church. Wouldn't that be great? And uh, so we're praying for the Somali community that they would come to know Christ. And through this, OTN has put together the Somali 101. So the first part, Isak. Muhammad gets up and shares about the history of the Somali um, population that we have here, some of the Civil War and why they've come here. And it's a great time to learn about that. And then, because of my language studies, I'm able to get up and share um, just how we white people can learn the Somali language and, and connect with them. We have a bunch of the students come and they help us. We break up in groups and we work on the Somali language, doing different phrases, Somali 101. So, it was a great time to do that, and I'm excited that 
coming up in January, we're going to do the same thing for the county workers. So that will be government officials, school, law enforcement, medical. We're going to try to get reach out to the hospitals and get as many people as we can to learn about the Somali population and the language and have the well ministry connect with them. So that's, that's an exciting thing that we get to do. And it was, it was, to me, I just was like, this is such a privilege that we get to connect with the Somali population. So let's take a moment and pray for the well ministry, Otieno and his family and what they do. So Lord, we do thank you that you have given us the privilege to reach out to people who do not know Jesus. And sometimes it's our own people who walk around, talk like us, look like us, dress like us, and smell like us, and eat the same foods we eat. The Lord, You have in Your grand design brought people from Africa. From a country that if we would go to, be very, very dangerous. But You've brought them here. So we don't have to go through all the visas and all that trouble. They're in our backyard. And we thank You for the well ministry. We thank You that we even have people in this room like Carrie Peterson who meets with ladies to help them with English and help them with life as they transition to this different culture. But You've brought them here, Lord. Not just to raise a family, not just to have a job at Genio, but I believe you've brought them here so they can see Jesus. So Lord, we ask, we pray that this year some would come to Jesus and they would start their own Somali church and worship the true King, the only God, our Savior continue to bless that ministry and I, I especially pray for the meeting we're going to have in january I, i'm just praying that we have over 100 people show up to that so we can just connect them with the Somali population and just let them know there's ways to reach out to them this we pray in your precious name jesus amen 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 if you want more information about that if you want to connect somehow with the Somali population please talk to myself talk to otieno there so today we are going to take some time and we as a church, as you know, we support many missionaries and um, the missionary calendar is on the welcome table there and it's color coded based upon regions. Jesus kind of gave that kind of strategy of reaching your own area, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth and it's color coded based upon the different types of missionary and outreach organizations that we have from from Arrowhead Bible Camp to the Pregnancy Help Center to John Peterson the Wrestler and all these things. And we have those who we support overseas who leave their language and culture and family and go to a different culture and, and serve. And once in a while we have the privilege to begin to support another new family. So today we're going to be introducing Matt and Christina. You guys want to come up with your family if the kids want to come up. Levi, if you guys want to come up. And they're going to share a little bit about their ministry. And this is exciting for me. I got to know Matt when you were in high school, and uh, just you guys were just starting to date, and uh, and yeah, exciting. He was at Arrowhead Bible Camp. They're from the Triple Falls area, and just watching the Lord move in Matt's heart, and just where where the Lord was calling him to do, whether it's military school, and now he's called you this. So let's give them time. Let's welcome them to Maranatha. Thanks, Pastor Cody. 
and thanks to Mayor Natha for hosting us today. It's, it's really great being here with you all. Um, my name is Matt. Uh, this is my wife, Christina. And as you can see, our kids wanted to join us today. Um, we have Clara and Levi. And baby number three is due around Christmas time. So we're, uh, we're growing here. Um, and uh, so we are our missionaries to the Middle East, uh, going back long term. Um, and we are hoping to deploy uh, really as soon as possible after, after baby's born. So. Yeah, so a little bit of background about us. Um, Pastor Cody was talking about how we're from Chippewa Falls. Um, yes, we went to Arrowhead in high school, and that was how we started dating. Um, started off, I'll let you grab him. <laughs> they haven't done this in a while, so this is, this is good practice. Um, but yeah, we, we currently live in the Eau Claire area, so we're pretty, pretty close, not too far. And um, yeah, just a little bit of how we got into missions. Uh, we both felt a call to go into the ministry field um, as individuals, and so when we started dating, um, felt that that was something we wanted to pursue together, depending on where the relationship went at that point. And so, yeah, after we got engaged, we had the opportunity to go on a short-term trip to the Middle East. Do you want to talk? <laughs> I'll hold it. You're good. Um, yeah, just for a couple weeks and got to meet the people and um, to learn about the culture, and just at that point really felt God continue to call us to pursue um, ministry at that time. And so after we got married then, we applied for Reach Global, which is the Evangelical Free Church of America's missions branch, their organization. And so we got accepted and were able to spend a year in the Middle East. And that was back in 2017 and 2018 that we were there then. Um, and just, yeah, during that time, continued to learn the language, learn about the culture more, and just see what ministry opportunities there were. And by this point, you might have the burning question, what country are we going to? Uh, if you want to learn that specifically, uh, we can touch base with you out in the lobby. Um, just for security reasons, we're not able to, to broadcast necessarily specifically where we're going right now. Um, but individually, uh, interpersonally, we're happy to share with you more details. Um, so a little bit of uh, information on the city where we're going to. Uh, in the Middle East, the city uh, that will become our home is home right now to about 6 million people. Um, of that six million people, the majority of them uh, followed the religion of Islam uh, and, uh, you know, uh, called, uh, called Muslim people who, who follow the religion of Islam. Um, and uh, of that six million people, 0.01% of that population uh, profess faith in Christ. Uh, to put that into perspective, that's about 600 people in this entire city, um, and it is still considered an unreached, uh, an unreached nation. Um, and uh, so on a typical day in this country where we'll be living, uh, we will experience uh, the call to prayer uh, blasted from loudspeakers from minarets five times a day in the summer. It can happen as early as about 5.30 in the morning, <laughs> so it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, you experience people celebrating Ramadan, uh, and we had a bunch of Muslim friends actually that would invite us over uh, after fasting all day. We didn't, but after um, they would fast all day, uh, they would invite us over for this massive feast in the evening, and it was a great opportunity to um, to connect with people and uh, see how they do life. Um, and uh, and then the last thing I want to mention about the the culture of where we'll be. Hey, Clara, can I have your hand, please? Thank you. Um, the culture of where we'll be uh, is considered an honor shame culture. So uh, 
we have some of that here in the United States, but a lot of it is uh, performance driven. Um, how can I bring honor to my family? How can I uh, not mess up, basically? And if I do mess up, um, that can bring significant shame to my family. Uh, and this is an area where we feel that uh, the gospel of Christ can, can really enter the hearts of, of these individuals and they can find freedom as well in Christ, um, not having to strive under a works-based uh, culture, but uh, live as, as sons and daughters of freedom uh, in Christ. So, you go ahead. <laughs> uh, so the country where we're going to also has the freedom of religion. Uh, as a majority country of, of followers of Islam, um, it is still legal to be a Christian there. Uh, but unfortunately, um, so that's the legal side of things. Uh, to profess faith in Christ uh, could bring on to someone a lot of social persecution. Um, some examples of that are uh, we know uh, several people who have placed faith in Christ and became public about that with their families, and their families have disowned them, uh, cut them off. Uh, they can't connect with their families. They can't stay where they grew up. Um, that relationship has been cut off because of their faith. Uh, another example is a, a dear friend of mine, my, my language teacher, actually, um, I keep in touch with him. Uh, at least once a month to stay up on my language. Um, but he's planting a church in a, in a rural part of this country uh, where the government has taken out ads in the newspaper to say um, to, to various stores, uh, like grocery stores or hardware stores, like, do not sell to this family. So that would be another example of social persecution that brothers and sisters in Christ experience on a day-to-day -day basis. So while it's legal to be a Christian, it is very uncomfortable to be a Christian in this country. Um, and, uh, all right, yeah, I got it. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, basically, in this country, there are about 12 to 13 established churches, and there are, are numerous other house churches and church plants that are on their uh, way to becoming established churches. Um, but something we've noticed, uh, just walking, walking around this country, um, a lot of people will say, oh, there's a, there's a church here? Out of a country of, or a city of six million people, there isn't a, a church presence yet, even though there's 12 or 13 established churches there. And so that's another um, area where we're hoping and praying that uh, the Father would just grow his church uh, in this country so that people would know that there's churches and that there, there is a, a, a Christian presence in this country. Um, so uh, what, what are we going to be doing? Uh, Christina mentioned that we did a lot of language learning initially in the first year uh, we were there. Um, and we'll still continue doing that. But in that first year we were there, we had to find a creative access point. Um, and so we spent a lot of time praying about how can we be in this country, you know, whether that we, we bring a service so that we can be here organically, um, so that when we go through customs, we don't say we're missionaries because that doesn't look so great. Um, it's actually illegal for foreign missionaries to come to the country. So we have to be known as something other than missionaries. So um, that first year, we, we found that uh, in an honor-shame society, uh, a lot of people are struggling uh, to be honest and truthful about some of the struggles they're having. Uh, and what stood out to us was uh, a lot of the mental health challenges that people were facing as well, depression, anxiety, but well hidden uh, under, under a lot of uh, layers that no one else would be able to see. Um, and it was, it was hurting a lot of people. And so uh, we decided that we would come back to the States. I would go for my master's in clinical mental health counseling down at Wheaton College in Illinois. Um, after studying two years, uh, and then the last two years of getting experience working uh, as a mental health therapist, 
um, we're ready to go back and, and to use that to support the local church that's in this country, as well as to uh, meet the needs, uh, the, the tangible mental health needs of people that we encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, a little snapshot into what that will look like specifically. Uh, the church that we're a part of in this country, uh, they already have established groups that meet, so Bible study groups that focus on mental health and supporting each other. So basically a, like a process group or um, an education group where you show up, you get into the word, you find encouragement with your brothers and sisters, uh, and um, as the Father speaks truth into your life over the different challenges you're facing. Uh, and they're really excited to have a male therapist over there to help lead one of these groups. Um, and then another thing I'm excited to do with my wife is lead marriage groups. Uh, as a therapist, I'm able to partner with her and we can bolster uh, Christian marriages in this country as well. Um, as marriage is, is, if not the most foundational building block of communities. And if you have healthy marriages, healthy communities, healthy churches, a lot can happen. Um, and so we're really excited to, to get into that. Uh, there are also um, some secular studies that we'll be doing. So for, for people that we call seekers, people who are interested in the Christian faith but haven't quite placed their faith in Christ, I will also be available to lead different groups like that to, to um, have a foot in the door for the gospel. Um, we'll dive into the word together. Uh, we'll pray together. Um, and so we're excited to be doing that. Um, so to summarize, uh, supporting... Uh, supporting the local church and establishing and maintaining good good health within the church, um, but also reaching lost people uh, for the sake of the gospel. Um, and so one other thing, and Christina uh, is really good at explaining this, um, but uh, it's a bigger word, but in intentional intersectionality uh, would be another focus that we're going to be doing in this country. And basically, um, and I, and I want to extend that as a challenge to my brothers and sisters here today as well, how intentional are we being with every single interaction we have on a day-to-day -day basis? Whether we're checking out at the grocery store or getting our oil changed or um, are we asking questions? Are we curious about people's stories? And that's what I'm excited to do when we're in this country, just going to the butcher shop to get some meat, you know, uh, you know starting these, these gospel-oriented conversations with people, um, showing them what's different uh, about my life because I follow Christ and then um, learning their story as well. Uh, so that's kind of what intentional intersectionality is, always having the gospel ready to be, uh, ready to come off of our lips on a moment's notice. Um, uh, so where are we now? Um, well, we are currently pregnant and expecting our, our third baby around Christmas time. Um, so unfortunately, she, my, my, wife, my wife cannot uh, fly right now. Um, so we are hoping to uh, be fully funded with our monthly financial support uh, shortly thereafter, shortly after our baby's born, um, and leaving uh, closer to early spring of, of next year, um, if the Lord wills it. Uh, and, and we know he can. He, we know he, he's worked powerfully in, in providing everything we've needed so far, um, and we just praise him for that. Um, and then we, just, we do just want to thank Maranatha um, for supporting us and, and, and choosing to partner with us and bringing us on board. Um, it is so crucial to have churches behind us in prayer, uh, people who, who know some of the struggles that we're going through and, and who can pray for us as brothers and sisters. Uh, it means the world to us, and um, we're humbled just knowing that, uh, that through us you can also have uh, an impact on uh, individuals who don't know Christ in a, in a very dark land. Um, 
If you're interested in learning more, or at least just hearing where the heck we're going, uh, come out to the table out there, um, and we'll be happy to, to answer any of those questions for you. So thank you all. Um, if you don't mind, I, I might close in prayer. Uh, oh, oh, great. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're excited for them and excited what the Lord is doing, and what, what a great ministry opportunity. So, um, so if, if you want to come up and pray over them, that would be awesome. I know we got some that are on a missionary missions committee, so Otieno will come up. But if you also want to come up and just pray over them as a church, we want to do that right now. Christina and Levi and Clara and just how you've equipped them, how you've prepared them for this, how you've laid out the way and given them a heart of burning for these people. And Lord, we just want to pray your protection over them as they prepare, as they're growing as a family, and as they're getting ready to move to a completely new country, start a completely new life and grow in this new community and share the gospel and really have that readiness in their heart that they're already practicing and just want to just put them before you and um, also want to ask for us as a church to help us to know how we can support them spiritually in prayer and um, that we can just be of guidance in all of that thank you for their hearts and for their time that they are here and we can get to know them in your name we pray amen That's exciting. Praise the Lord. I just told my wife, stay up here for a little bit. She's like, for real? <laughs> Don't worry. So we are, the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about marriage. I'm excited about that. And honestly, through the work of the Spirit, through just this passage, it's going to be great what we're going to be looking at this week and next week. But I just want to say thank you, Lord, for the wife he gave me. I am so outclassed in a breath. I'm so blessed to have a partner in ministry. But I want to say this, and the reason I have her up here is for this. We don't have a perfect marriage, do we? No. <laughs> Not yet, but when we see him face to face, that's the perfect marriage, right? We have our ups and downs. We were able to this week, thank you church for allowing me to go to a pastor's conference in Florida. Part of it was sunny and the beach was amazing. And then Hurricane Nicole hit one side and turned into a tropical storm and then it wasn't so nice outside. Marriages are like that. And we as a couple want you to know that our church is here for you. I'm not offering my wife, you can call her 24-7, but my phone's on 24-7, and I'll just wake her up. You can talk to my wife. <laughs> but we are here for you, and we're going to deal with some hard stuff, especially if you think you've got the perfect marriage. 
you might be kind of pompous and go, we've got it made. Our prayer is that wherever you're at, this week and next week would draw you closer to Him. So let's pray together, okay? Father, we come before You and we thank You for marriage. Marriage is truly a reflection, the great picture of the Gospel, as Ephesians puts out. And Lord, I just pray that as we go through today and next Sunday, that You would just guide us. Holy Spirit, do Your miraculous work to melt our stubborn, hard, sinful hearts. And we pray that You would bless the marriages. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You want to stay up here? All right, as I said, so for the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at marriage. So take your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 10. Today we're going to go Mark chapter 10, 1 through 9, and then we're going to finish the little section next week, primarily talking about divorce. And this is beneficial for all people in this room. You might be married, you might be single, you might be divorced, you might be young and going, maybe I will get married, maybe I won't. Maybe you're... You were married and there's been a death. You might be in different stages of your life. You might just be a kid. But this is going to be beneficial for all of us. Why? Marriage is a reflection of the Gospel and a great example of the Gospel. And Today we're going to be looking at marriage as a lifelong covenant. So if your marriage is on the rocks, look at me. There's hope for you in Christ and in the Gospel message. If marriage for you is bland, you might be sitting there going, yeah, it's kind of bland right now. You get through that season. I'm sure my wife rolls over once and looks at me and goes, what did I get into? There is hope for you in Christ and in the Gospel. If your life has been broken by sin and you feel shameful right now, you're like, oh, this is going to be tough. You don't know my story. Maybe you've gone through a divorce and you're just like, oh, we got to deal with this again. Got to look at my past. Look at me. There is hope for you in Christ and in the gospel. Amen? If your marriage is full of worldliness that you've allowed in and sin, there is hope for you in Christ and in the gospel. And. This is going to be for pretty much all of us who are married. If your life is full of selfishness and you want to just please yourself and you think it's all about you and you're pursuing your own happiness, there's hope for you in Christ and in the Gospel. And if your marriage is solid, full of joy, still there is hope for you in Christ, and in the Gospel. So let's take a look at this passage. We are in our series with Christ in the School of Discipleship. And we have been looking at this section of Mark. We've kind of started in the middle and worked our way through. And we've been, we talked about children. Last week we talked about holy sexuality. And now we're dealing with marriage. Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 1. Jesus then left that place and went into a region of Judea across the Jordan. 
Now, this is an area controlled by Herod Antipas. Now, if you recall, there's different Herods. We had a whole chart up there many months ago just talking about all the crazy family tree and the divorce and the remarriage and marriage fam- marrying family members. And Herod Antipas had the wrong passions. So this is his region that Jesus is in and is controlled by him. Again, the crowds of people came to him as was his custom, he taught them. I love that every moment he had, here's an opportunity to teach the crowds, the people. Excited for Matt and Christina, they're going to be in an area where they're going to be able to teach. He's got a skill set, and he's going to use that, but when he's at the meat market, it could be an opportunity also to then connect people with the Gospel. We need to be more like that. Some of the Pharisees, of course, they're always hovering around came and tested him by asking. Notice they're not sincere. You know, they, they, most of them haven't been sincere. Once in a while, we'll, we meet those that are, but they're, they're, they've kind of conjuring up some ways to trap and trick Jesus, and they're testing him, hoping he will fail. By asking, here's the question, is it lawful for man to divorce his wife? Now here they're giving this vague question that they already know the answer to. The the Old Testament will talk more about divorce next Sunday. We'll look at Old Testament passages and talk about divorce. They know the answer already. The, the the, The Old Testament gives an answer, but they're trying to trick Jesus. Either to get Him to say something, to get His approval for their excuses of divorce, which we'll see here in a moment, or to see if Jesus... If his view lines up with John the Baptist, because John the Baptist, if you recall, did not like what Herod was doing, spoke against it, what happened to John the Baptist? You know? And they're thinking, well, hey, here's one way to get rid of Jesus. We'll have him publicly say stuff against Herod. Herod will hear about it and his head will be gone. Or maybe they were just hoping Jesus would go against some of the cultural things, or maybe even against the Old Testament. The rabbis at this time had three different camps, three different groups. The the Jewish Pharisees and rabbis, they all fell within three different areas. One group was very strict when it came to divorce. When there is a sexual immorality outside of the marriage, then that's legal means for divorce. They were very strict. This is what the Old Testament says. Here's the means for divorce. Some were kind of moderate, you could say. Yes, if you break the covenant, there could be a different a variety of ways of breaking this covenant, this marriage covenant, then you could get divorced. But many of them at this time, as we see in Scripture and we see through the readings of Josephus, many of them were very liberal. In fact, I've got some writings, I'll pull them out next week, talking about different ways that people, the, the, the Pharisees and the rabbis would say, you know what, in fact, some were this. If she burns your meal, you can divorce her. Or, seriously, if she's less attractive and you see someone else more attractive, you can then divorce her. Doesn't it sound like the way the world looks at it today? If you don't get along, you can be done. So many of the people asking this were in this liberal camp of just, you know, whatever. Whatever. Kind of like no-fault divorce. Have you heard of that? 
You know there's 18 states that have no-fault divorce. You don't have to have a reason. You can just get divorced. Is Wisconsin one of them? Yes, it is. In fact, when I was doing my research on this, Florida, I saw an ad popped up right away. For 99 bucks, boom, you can get a divorce. I'm like, what? So many were in that kind of a camp. Yeah, we don't get along. Let's, let's, let's just end it. So look at verse 3. Jesus, love it. What did Moses command you? Jesus would often answer trick questions with counter questions to get at the heart of the matter. Often when I'm in a, like a simple debate with someone who doesn't believe in Christ or, or whatever, like I'm trying to think of what, well, let's get to the heart of the matter. That's what Jesus is doing here. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It's interesting that they gave a passage that did not give a command. Jesus says, what did Moses command you? Instead, they turn to a passage that gives permission. We'll deal a little bit more with this next week. They would misuse the Bible, and they do that often. In the Gospel, we see that the religious leaders would use the Bible for their own advantage. They would pick certain verses to fit their situation and go, hey, I'm picking this verse, this verse, this. that way I can live in such a way. Let me give you an example. I've mentioned this before, and this may make some of you sad. Don't be too offended by me, but I don't like dogs, okay? Just, I don't like dogs, okay? In fact, let me give you the biblical reason. <clears throat> Here we go. I'm reading from Scripture. Here, if you don't believe me, look these passages up. Philippians chapter 3, verse 2 says this, Beware of the dogs. Right there. Then, jumping to the next verse, 1 Timothy 2.8 says that we have holy hands. We lift up holy hands, right? We're saints of God. We have holy hands. Then, Matthew 7.6, do not give that which is holy to the dogs. Don't pet dogs. Just if you're watching online, I just twisted Scripture. It's not really how I uh, treat things. But that's what they would do. The conclusion is, dogs are evil. We have holy hands. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Don't pet dogs. That's evil. That's twisting Scripture. And the Pharisees loved to do that. Especially when it came to marriage. And I'll pull out some of the writings that they have. She burned your mail. Get out of there. They focused on what was legally allowed and pressed whatever they wanted to fit their situation. Don't misuse this. It's very dangerous. This is the Word of God. And I love how Jesus <laughs> deals with this. As we see, they're focused on what's legally allowed and what fits them where Jesus, he centered on what God's will is for marriage, not what fits you best in your situation. Look at verse 5. It was because of your hearts were hardened that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. Moses allowed divorce as a result of people's sin and their hard hearts. 
God permitted divorce because of sin, although that's not what God wants. Yeah, it's going to happen, and there's sin there. And Jesus goes, you know, it's because of your sin. Then verse 6. But at the beginning of creation, God. Jesus doesn't fall into the trap of arguing from tradition. This is the way we see it. This is what best fits us. This is what best fits our church. This is what we've been doing for so long. Tradition. Here's what we've done in our church, in our synagogue. Here's what we've done as Christians for so long. And it fits best for our culture. Instead, he doesn't argue from tradition. He begins with, here is God's plan. By using Scripture, Jesus places marriage in the context of God's creation. Way before the fall, He designs marriage to be something important. And He quotes Genesis. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. This verse affirms that Mankind is divided into two sexes. Male and female. God created man and women equal in value and personhood. And equal in bearing His image. So beware of the people that say one group, one gender is greater than the other. No, 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 no. We are created. We bear His image. We're equal image bearers. And our gender, this is important for culture today, our gender is not based upon feeling or preference. I mean, isn't it crazy out there today? Gender is not based upon preference or feeling, but on God's biological plan. Period. And we as a church want to help you address these cultural issues and controversial things that society has come upon us with a solid biblical worldview. Secure in the knowledge of God's truth. That this is how He designed it. Thus, that's why we had last week Christopher here with his mother. Wasn't that beautiful? And if you missed Saturday, we now have that all online. Please go online and watch that. We want to help you Think through these cultural issues. We have our resource center over there. Go look at some of those pamphlets. If you forgot, we have, I think, 34 or something like that. Go look at some of those things, addressing some of the things that affect our families from a biblical worldview. One of the favorite places I like to go is Breakpoint. Chuck Colson. Has anybody ever heard of that? Okay, some of you haven't. Write it down. Breakpoint. Chuck Colson. I know the Christian radio plays it like around 1230. They give like like a, a five-minute little thing of addressing what's going on in society. They do, and we've contacted them to see if they have, like, folks in the family gives out little handouts. They don't do any of that. So I'm thinking, of like, maybe we're just going to get, like, once a week, find the best one and just have that as a resource for you, addressing cultural things. You've got to write this down. It's not on the screen. I should have it on the screen, but here it is. Every human being is created in the image of God. They have value, dignity, and worth. He created male and female. And marriage is the union of one man and 
one woman. And marriage and the family are the foundation of civil society. Marriage is so important. In fact, I remember the second year I was here as a senior pastor, the way our president at the time and culture was going, we added to our bylaws, our definition of marriage, a male and a female, because society is going crazy with that. When God created man in his own image, he didn't just create a man in isolation. And we see here in creation and redemption the beauty of family. And Matt even alluded to that. Family is so important. As I said here, marriage and the family are the foundation of civil society. And our culture is attacking that right now. We must understand biblically the importance of marriage and family. And we also see here in creation and in redemption, there are some distinct roles that we each have for men and women in marriage. Even Jesus points this out here, quoting again, Look at verse 7. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. God delights in this marriage, this covenant, where two become one. And Jesus looks at this divinely established institution and this marriage is a covenant not a contract and the problem is this today people treat marriage like a contract it seemed like an employee agreement <clears throat> all right we're together if you do this for me i'll be happy don't burn the toast and if you do this then i will do this for you and make you happy this is man's arrangement and agreement. And if things change, then you can destroy and rip up the contract. And people today are so quick to look for an easy way out. In fact, more and more, Tony and I, when it comes to marriages, we'll do marriages, but more and more we're getting stricter and stricter. Because people just want to get together, woohoo! And not look at the serious depth of marriage people enter into marriages thinking divorce will be a way out if it gets bad and more and more we see that people are living together more and more just to see if we're compatible first then we'll get married that's just so wrong and then when they get into marriage a couple years later because it's just a contract my feelings get hurt, then I can end the contract. People enter into marriage for the wrong reasons, for their own gratification. And when that's not there, then the relationship is over. And our cultural crisis is that we're fooled in believing of individual freedom. We're Americans. I can do what I want. And we believe that even enters into marriage. And self-satisfaction is the highest of values and if I'm not pleased, then I am done with you. And we look at sex and romance to try to give us what we used to truly get. True satisfaction from God and our faith in Jesus Christ. 
The biblical understanding is this. God's blueprint for marriage is a covenant, not a contract. The Bible calls for an exclusive relationship between one man and one woman. And they are to enter into a lifelong covenant. Not a contract. A lifelong covenant. And the concept of covenant is extremely different from contract. We can set aside different things. Marriage is a covenant for life. Marriage is God's idea. Divine origin, not man's idea. Listen to the words I say when I begin many weddings. We are gathered together in the presence of God and these people to join together, this man and this woman, in holy marriage. Marriage is a special relationship appointed by God. It is set apart in Scripture and is honorable. It conveys a wonderful union of Christ and His church and is not to be entered into lightly, but with reverence, commitment before God, and consideration of His love for us. And God's design is to have this to be a covenant. And it's agreement. And here's why I, I, I push this hard when we go through the... I sit with them and we do premarital counseling and then we, we kind of map out the ceremony. And most of the times the guys are like, sure, whatever. And the girl's like, I want to do this, this, this. And then I say, all right, let's talk about vows. And more and more, there's pers- you, know, you can write personal vows out. And how many of you wrote out your own vows? Raise your hand. There's a few of you, okay. I love, and I stress this, I say, can we do, if you want to do your, your own vows, great. But can we do two sets of vows? Go, what do you mean? I go, well, the first set is before God. The reason I'm marrying you right now is because I'm making a covenant before God Almighty, and here's what I say to God. This is not a promise just to you. This is a vow to God, and some of you have heard this. The first vow is to God. It says this. So here's, I just copied this from the wedding I did a couple weeks ago. Matt, will you have this woman to be your wedded wife? To live together in holy marriage? Will you love her, comfort her, honor her, keep, um, keep her, and forsaking all others as long as you both shall live? And he says, I do. That one's not to her. That one's to God Almighty. He's saying, I'm entering to this marriage not just with you, but with God. And this agreement to God and his spouse is to meet her needs on every level. Social, spiritual, sexual, all levels for the rest of his life. Forsaking all others. That's different than a contract where it's all about feelings. Today, I feel in love. In fact, here's the first question I usually ask. When someone wants to get married, they're like, yeah, we want to get married. Would you do it? I'm like, oh, sure. You know, I pray about it. I say, let's meet. And I always say, my first question is, why do you want to marry him? Why do you want to marry her? I always start with a guy. Why do you want to marry her? And this will be if I'm going to do the marriage or not. They don't know this. But if they say, I just love him. He's so cute. She's such a babe. We're, just, we're in love, man. That's why we're getting married. In my mind, I'm going, yeah, I'm probably not the right guy to do this wedding. 
Do you know that love comes and goes? Raise your hand if you believe that. Married couples are doing that. If you base your marriage on feeling and just love, you're in trouble. Let me get back to this. The covenant is a lifelong commitment that we need to follow His blueprint for marriage. He's designed it, and He knows exactly what we need in order for us to thrive. Then the second vow, and sometimes they write it to each other, which is great, that's the vow to each other. And that's why I say, repeat after me. I, Matt, take you, Kenzie, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, sometimes I might throw a joke in there or something, to love and to cherish till death do us part according to God's holy plan and God's gracious help. You alone cannot make your marriage last. We need God's help. Amen? My wife is going, amen. Yes! And the greatest marriage story is that of Jesus and his bride, the church. God has pursued us. Hosea chapter 2, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Revelation 19, Revelation 21. He's pursued us. And that's the greatest love story. Listen to Isaiah 61, verse 10. He has clothed me with garments of salvation arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns. And the bride adorns herself with her jewels. We are the bride. Having a marriage that will last begins with having Christ in the center of your life first. Here's the most important line I want you to remember for today. Having a marriage that will last begins with having Christ as the center of your life first. God is love. Amen? God's the one who designed marriage. And here's something I say often. Marriage doesn't complete you. Christ does. If He's love, He's the designer of marriage, first be complete in Christ, then... Get married. Some people think, oh, I'm now complete. Marriage completes me. No, no, no. Marriage doesn't complete you. Christ completes you. Be first complete in Christ by turning and surrendering your life to His love. Be content in Christ first. Be fully satisfied in Him. I love the verse in Proverbs. It says this, Blessed is the man who finds a wife. Find, the Hebrew word for find isn't like the Sherlock Holmes find where he's, he's looking around and going, where's my wife? Is she in here? That's how I was in college. Which one is it, Lord? Who am I going to marry? Woohoo! She's going to be lucky. That's how I thought. The Hebrew word for find isn't like searching and Going through, you know, we don't have phone books anymore. Going through your phone. The Hebrew word find is this. Imagine just walking down the road, you're hanging with your friends, walking around and go, there's a $100 bill! I wasn't looking for it, but look at that! When I was in grad school, my, one of my nicknames was Iceman, because girls, pff, I don't have time for that. 
You're like, they're like, you're like Iceman. You just don't want anything to do with girls. Absolutely not. I don't have time for that. And then Amber Osborne came along and things changed. Blessed is the man who finds a wife. Be first content in Christ. Let me end with this. The problem is we have the effects of sin all around us. We live in an age of disposable marriages. Just like disposable gloves. When I was in Washington State, 70% of my congregation were divorced. You know, I, I don't say that in a judgmental way. Many of them went through hard stuff. Many of them didn't know Christ before. It's just tough. And maybe you're in this room, you're like, yeah, that's been through divorce. And you know it's tough. And maybe you realize, yeah, because I had my mind set on the wrong things and you weren't complete in Christ first. We'll talk more about that stuff next week. Next week's going to be beautiful. Even though we're talking about divorce, it will be beautiful. The main enemy of any marriage is sinful self-centeredness. Let me say that again. Sinful self-centeredness. That's the enemy of marriage. Please, I encourage you, wherever you are in your marriage, maybe you've lost a loved one, maybe you're starting to date more people, maybe you've been divorced and you're like, I will never do that again. Please remember this. There is healing and hope in the gospel message. Get so your affections filled up on Christ and be complete in Him first. And then if He, by His grand designs, allows you and appoints you to be married again, that's great. That's His plan. Trust in Him. Turn to him because he's the faithful one amen i want to be faithful to god but you know what i am often not but he is the faithful one who pursues us and woos us if you've allowed sin enter your lives in your marriage today get rid of it cut it off God is capable of changing and reforming any person, even someone like you and me. And He's capable of healing and renewing any marriage. Of the staff that we have, I I love it that God's designed Pastor Tony. He's not here right now. We flew by each other, I think, or whatever. He's in Florida now with a youth pastor conference there. He's great dealing with couples in marriage. I, I can, I'm not the best counselor. I'll sit with you and be like, dude, that's sin. Get rid of it. And I'm kind of maybe sharp with that. Like, boom. He, he's just great. If you're struggling, we will help you. I'm not going to say Tony's going to have, you know, 70 hours this week to do that, but we'll find people to help you. And we as a church want to find different ways to connect you with other people in this church. You can't do this on your own. We need each other. We need the church. We're trying to find ways to connect us more so we can grow together more.
God can heal, and He does. Someday we'll have the perfect marriage when we see Him face to face. That wedding banquet. So let's close in prayer. Father God, we come before You and we thank You for Your love. Your love is great, it is grand, it is it is why we live today. And you have a love that will not let us go. You pursued us. We were once dead in our sins. We weren't walking around looking for you. We were dead, done, objects of wrath. Oh, in your great mercy and grace, you awakened us, you could say. And we thank you, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for the marriages in this room. May you strengthen them. May we be quick to confess our sins. And may we realize that marriages till we die. It's not when we don't feel like, oh, I'm done with this. There's always hope and restoration for every marriage. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand and join us in our last few songs.